Have you ever felt like you had it all together? Not many of us have had those moments in life, have we? For most of us, it seems like we just try to run this race, and, and it seems like the harder we run, the more behind we get. And we just kind of sometimes, don't you just kind of wonder, God, what is this thing all about? We talk a lot about running the race and winning the prize and God using us and transforming us. And somehow, we never really kind of think how he does that. So this morning, I kind of want to talk to you about God's chisel. How he transforms us. How he shapes us. How he molds us. Turning your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I have been studying the book of Hebrews for about the last six months. And I thoroughly love this book. When you get to chapter 12, it's just after this great hall of faith chapter where Abraham and Moses and Isaac are listed, where Joseph and, and all great men and women are alluded to, and you come after that great kind of, you can do it, you can live it, they did it, look what they did, and, and you can live it too, and look what God did in their life. All of these men and women in chapter 11 had some chiseling done on them. They all had things in their life. Abraham was a chronic liar. They all had things in their life that needed chiseling out, needed removing. They had sins, they had impurities, they had wrongs that just got in the way of running the race well. But in fact, that's kind of where you start at in verse 1. And what I want you to know is four things this morning. The first thing I want you to know is that God's got a plan for you. God has got a plan for you. We, we talked about Byron last week, and he went uh, to Oklahoma. Man, I was so thrilled. Thank you for, so much for your prayers. Uh, there were like 20 people waiting in their driveway when they pulled up, and they stuffed their cabinets full of food, and the refrigerator was full, and they helped them unload and fed them and, and took care of my grandbaby. And, you know, that's, uh, that was my most concern is how's the grandbaby, you know, how's... How's she doing? And it's great. God's got a plan for you. Nathan is going to Church of the Highlands, as Don said. God has got a plan for each and every one of us. But the plan I'm talking about is not necessarily going to the Church of the Highlands. The plan I'm talking about is not necessarily going around the world. The plan I'm talking about is not saying, here I am, Lord, I'll go. It's not about going. The plan is about becoming. Because God's plan is that before you go, that you become like his son, Jesus Christ. That's his plan for you. That the world sees more of Christ in you than you in you. And to do that, most of us would have to agree he's got a chisel mess out of our lives, doesn't he? Matter of fact, look at verse 1. Just kind of follow along. The verses will come up on the screen, but... But follow along in your Bible. This is like great stuff. Therefore, the therefore refers back to chapter 11. Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so on. In chapter 11. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle us. What this is basically talking about right there is the guys in that day. And I'm so glad I get to wear jeans today. Amen. Guys, aren't you glad you don't have to wear that long flowing robe thing? Oh my goodness. Now, by the way, if you're into the long flowing robe thing, that's all right. I'm just saying, I like my Levi's, man, and a t-shirt. 
Sundays are a hard day. I dress up a little bit anyway. And, and, and it's because it's hard to run in the road, they would literally reach down into the middle, pull it up between their legs, and the sash or the belt around the legs, they would jam it through and pull it down through so they could run unhindered. The author of the book of Hebrews is saying, listen, if you're going to be like Jesus, there's some junk you just got to get out of the way. So you can run this race that God has put before you well, you can't run, you can't go until you be. A lot of times we want to go and not worry about being like Christ, thinking that God will take care of it as we're going. But the, if you, the issue, the emphasis is on the being. We have to become like Christ. And so therefore we got to get rid of the sin. we got to lay it aside. That so entangles us. And then let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out before us. What a run it is. Now, I'm not a runner. You can look at my body and tell that. I am not a runner. I, and I'm not into like the cross-country thing or the track people who run around in a circle and go nowhere, but they run, you know. And, and, and that, but, but in the Christian life, God wants us to run. And I don't know the direction of your course, but he says before you can even run the race, it's marked out before you. You've got to be like my son. You've got to lay away sin. You've got to take the things that entangle you. You've got to recognize it. You've got to deal with it. You've got to get it out of the way so you can do what God's called you to do. Before you can do and go, you have to be. You have to become like Christ. So the cool thing is, is that God's got a plan. And his plan is that he molds you and he makes you and he shapes you. And sometimes that's with a tender touch. And sometimes that's with a, a, a chisel, so it's almost like a, a sculptor. This week, the, the interns, I wanted to see that Detroit had a little bit of culture. So I took them to the Detroit Institute of Art. That's right, you know me, I am not very artsy. But we had a blast, it was a lot of fun. And, and I went through one little section where they had the, uh, uh, some sculpt. And it was amazing how smooth they had made that rock just by chiseling and chiseling and how it was just this big chunk of stone, one, two, three, four tons of stone, and yet they chisel it, chisel it, chisel it until the arm is just smooth and, 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 the, and the face was just smooth. God knows that in your heart there's some junk. God didn't make the junk. The junk comes into us by sin. And so God's part of God's plan is that he chisels these things. He molds us, shapes us, but then there's sometimes, man, he just got to chisel that, that thing away. So the good news is that God has a plan for us to become like Jesus. The second thing I want you to understand is that God's given us an example to follow. He's got an example for you. Look at, verse, look at verses 2 Three and four. Listen to what it says. It says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's our example. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross that we sang about, that terrible, beautiful cross that we sang about, that deep love that where he laid down his life for us. 
who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Basically, the embarrassment it was to a holy, perfect, sinless son of God, having your sin, your filth, your junk put on him. God doesn't make the junk. Sin is the junk that enters in our lives. It's what slows us down in the race. It's the thing that trips us up. It's the thing that besets us, if you use the King James Bible. And so consider him, consider Christ. That's our example. Consider him who endured opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. In your struggle against sin. Can we all amen here and just say we all struggle against sin? Amen? Impatience, anger, temper, foul mouth, whatever, the sin. I mean, we just struggle. Gossip, I mean, we pride, sins of the heart, envy that, that are not so easily recognized. We all struggle with it. And it trips us up. And just about the time you think you're flying, and just about to think the time you think you're going, man, it just, it entangles us. And so in your struggle against sin, you don't need to be discouraged. God's got a plan for your life. And Jesus Christ is the example of it because he wants us to become like Jesus. The goal of your life is not to hit retirement the goal of your life is not to have X amount of dollars in your retirement portfolio. The goal of your life is not to travel to the seven major wonders of the world. The goal of your life is to be more like Jesus at the end of your days, at the end of your race, than you were at the beginning of your race. It's to be like Jesus. Coming to church is a part of learning how to be like Jesus. But it's most of the time when God chisels away at me and God brings some things that, to my understanding, that I've got to work on. You know where that happens the most? It's when I'm aggravated with my wife and I'm short-tempered. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. I get impatient that's not hard for anybody to believe. And it's in the context of living life with people that we're aware of our rough edges, where we bristle other people, where we are an offense to a holy God's son who laid down his life for us who was tempted Hebrews 4 says in everything in all points like we are yet without sin so in our struggle against sin we look to our example Jesus Christ and we say I want to be like Jesus that's who I want to be when I was a kid I played little league and I was raised in Ohio, and so I was an avid fan of the Big Red Machine. Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, little Joe Morgan. You know, he flapped that elbow out there. Davey Concepcion was a shortstop, short, shortstop Dennis Meekey, and, and, uh, and, and other people would play third base. Foster, Sedano were in the outfield. I mean, I could just give you the whole lineup. The pitching, Don Gullett, Jack Billingham. Dude, I was like an avid Reds fan. I'm, I'm pretty much a Tigers fan now. It's like, go tigers but you know it's i am i do not go go 
that other team down the road. But, but I, I am a Tigers fan. I, I like the Lions, but that team up north, I, I'm just not there yet. You know what I'm saying? But I would go up to bat. And because most of the, uh, a lot of the batters were from Latin America and had this Catholic Catholic background, they would do the sign of the cross. And I've told you this story before, but I would get up to the plate and I would do exactly what they would do. I would do a little bit of Johnny Bench and hold my thumb down over the, the bat. I would do a little bit of Joe Morgan. I would flap the thing. And then I would do what most of the Latin Americans did. The little Baptist Protestant kid would do the sign of the cross. Well, my dad said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know, but the Cincinnati Reds do it, and they hit home runs all the time. <laughs> Listen, your example is not Cincinnati Reds. Your example is not me. Your example is not Don or Joe. Your example is Jesus Christ. That's who you want to be like. That's who God desperately wants you to be like. His son. And the problem is, is most of us, we look in the mirror and we see more of us and less of Christ. And his desire is that when the world sees us, when those guys you work with, when those ladies you work with, when your family and friends and you get together, that they see more of Christ in you than you in you. Because Christ has just kind of been chiseling away. So that you're not tripped up by the sin and the things that well, there's a third thing the passage kind of calls us to, and I want you to see that in the text, is that God has some encouragement for us. I'll be honest, this doesn't sound like much encouragement, but I want you to see. Look at verses 5 through 7. Verses 5 through 7 says this, And have you forgotten, have you forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? Listen to that. Your word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. God sees you as part of his family. And so as part of his family, because you're his child, he has the right to discipline you. Now, for those of you who have children, you know, I, I love all your kids, but I have no right to discipline your children. Now, if they're beating the bejeebies out of somebody, I'll tell them to stop. But I mean, I don't have the right to discipline to make them stand in the corner or whatever form of discipline. That's your responsibility as a parent. Jesus, or God says, hey, you're my son, so I've got a responsibility to you. And he says, this is my responsibility. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. By the way, he does that. He sees the junk. He sees those sins that entangle us, verse 1. He sees those things that trip us up. He sees those things that make us more like us instead of more like our example, Jesus Christ. And he says, that's not the way I'm calling you to live life. Let me go to work on you. And we would all discipline our children so that they would change their behavior from this 
and do this so that their attitude, which looked like this, would now look like this. And so Jesus says, or God says, I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to discipline you so that you once looked like this. And with this attitude, now you're going to look like this with this attitude. Because, verse 6, the Lord disciplines those that he loves. If you have your Bible out or can highlight your electronic Bible, man, you ought to underline that phrase. Because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. So whenever he takes the chisel to us, whenever he just shows up in our life, whenever he, he just steps in to our world to make us more like his son, our example, so that he can move the junk, not that we are junk, we're not, but the sin that junks up our lives, clutters up our lives, trips us up, hinders us from running this race well. When he's working in our lives, don't resent it. Don't go, God, why are you picking on me? He's doing it because he loves you. Verse 7 says, endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? See, the encouragement that you and I need today, the encouragement that you and I need today is that God is working in our lives. And he takes this chisel and he takes the stuff of our lives and the junk and he tries to just chisel it away so that we look more like Christ and less like us. So that you and I so that you and I are representatives of the kingdom of God. So that you and I can go. But before we go, we've got to be like Christ. With his heart and his passion, his desire. Maybe at this point, I could show it to you better than I could tell it to you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's worksmanship. In essence, we're his masterpiece. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror, I don't really see a masterpiece. Maybe more like a Picasso, but the bed head doesn't work for me very well. But I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything that God created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer. And I say, God, do whatever it takes to get the things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hello. Whoa! Who are you? I'm God. You're not God. Yeah, I am. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> okay. Okay, if you're God, then, then make it snow in here. If I made it snow in here, it would get yucky. And I'd rather not do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yeah, I do. It's a Greek word. Yeah. Well, if you're God, then, then what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. 
Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Well, if you're God, then, then who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not, I'm not so much into playing games. But why are you into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? Oh, yeah. I do that, don't I? Anyway, step right up. Okay. Hey, what are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to form you into my original masterpiece. Oh, okay. Hang on. I thought you were a carpenter. That was my son. Right, right. Okay. Hey, God, how do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that don't belong there. Sort of like dead weight. You know, speaking of which, could you just go ahead and chisel right in here? I've never really been able to get toned the way I think I need to be, but I've worked hard at it. I've done diet, I've done exercise, I even did Zumba for a little, little while. That was awkward. So if you could just chisel right in here, maybe, maybe draw a line right here, maybe four, maybe eight lines right here, that'd be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. Platypus? All I'm saying is, when it comes to this process, most of my children like to talk instead of work. So would you rather talk or let me chisel? Talk, chisel, talk, chisel. No, 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 no. I choose the chisel. Most of my children like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things that you need to work on, like your anger. Ah, hey, that hurt. I never said it wouldn't. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. You compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to be a people pleaser. You're lazy. But you pretend like you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, time out. I don't have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Right. Sorry. Okay. Uh, just, just hang on, God. Look, maybe we can maybe we can take a little break. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing pretty good. But when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Well, I see me. Okay. Now I need to keep chiseling away. Because ultimately. You and others need to see my son. Uh, yeah, uh, that's the thing. Please don't misunderstand me, but when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my friends at church are like, oh, you're more holier than thou. Why won't you do that? So you're saying that you'd rather play God in certain areas of life than rather let me be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, wow. It's hard to talk to you. You know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you know, you've done good work. Maybe we can take a break, a little time out. I mean, I'll stay right here. And That's just it. You don't just stay right here. You're either moving away from me or towards me. What you're doing is common. It's called controlling. Do you want to control certain parts of your life or let me chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, no, chisel. Chisel. But 
Can we chisel where I want to chisel? That's called controlling. Sorry, sorry. This right here, this secret sin that you keep running to, whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, you think you're fooling everybody, but you're just a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready to let me remove this from your life? Yeah. <coughs> See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. You care so deeply what others think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. What matters the most is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, good job, my good and faithful servant. That's what the prize is. That's what you keep your eye on, heavenward. think you understand this pain. Excuse me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for sin and for pain. But I did it for another reason. To give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And you've been doing things for years. You've been going to these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. Allow me to remove them from your life. Allow me to produce character where you focus so much on your image. Okay, but I was just thinking that maybe... Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Well, if we went another your way... Your ways are not my ways. Uh, I can't. You can't what? Be good. I, I can't be good. That's your excuse you can't be good? It's not an excuse. I can't. In the beginning, I said, it is good. I made you good. You can be good. It's just... What? Nothing. You wouldn't understand. Are you saying that I, the one who gave his son for your sin, would not understand? Try me. God, I've let you down so much. You were never holding me up. I hold you up, my victorious, righteous right hand. Don't forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Just hold away. Just... Be prepared what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside. Because I wake up every morning. And I look in the mirror. And I hate who I see. Because deep inside, there's this little kid who gets up every day. 
and dresses like an adult. And I go out there, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't. I can't be who everyone else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. So inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just, just be prepared. You have listened to far too many voices for far too long that aren't of me. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. I don't make junk. How can I show you that my love has no end? How can I show you that my love stretches as far as the east is from the west? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were saying my name in vain. Look, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than just a saying. It's more than just a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Wow. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's a page from a journal I had when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Right. Go ahead. Read it. I love Auntie. The other side. Sorry. I married her. I was there. Right, right. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that, that you love me? God, I've let you down so many times. Did I hear you say that, that you want to use me? But God, I feel so useless. But if you'll take me and use me, God, I give you all that I am. I love you, God. And I love you too. I love you too much to leave you where you're at. So the salvation that you hold don't let it be a sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work out every little detail in your life. And when trouble comes or chaos happens, don't view it as a prison, but view it as a father disciplining his son, a father who corrects those that he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it is tough. But you bought into the lie, think that everything will be easy when you turn everything over to me. There will be trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out here. I want you to say, Clayton is God's original masterpiece. Clayton is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or how you fear others may see you but how I created you, how I see you. Clayton is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are.
and so are you. Listen, God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. wants to do. He wants to chisel away the sin in our lives. He wants to chisel away that ugliness, that junk that makes us more like us and less like his son so that at the end of the day, we're more like his son and less like us. And the great news is, and the final thing I just want to throw out at you, is that when God is chiseling away, it's because he's got something better for you. It's because he's got something better for you. Two final verses in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to throw out there. Look at verse 10 and verse 11. It it says, our father disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for, for our good. And here's the better. Here's the better. That you may share in his holiness. So you don't understand, the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see God. When you share in his holiness, when you're walking so in tune with his son and the spirit of God, then you get to see life from a different perspective. And that is infinitely better. So this morning, even though the chisel isn't pleasant. Verse 11 tells us that. It does produce a harvest, fruit of righteousness. It does make a difference in our lives. And so today you can either talk about it or let God continue to chisel and yield yourself to the disciplining, working, moving, transforming power and movement of the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and in your life. You can either say, you can either talk about it, never get around to doing it, or you can say, bring on the chisel. Bring on the chisel so I can share in his holiness. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment?